Mitsubishi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to a special midweek edition of the Crease Dive. It is Tuesday, April 27th. We just wrapped up the 2021 PLL College Draft. I am Jordy from Barstool. With me, as always, we've got Jake on the mic, and we are lucky to be joined by Joe Kuiper Jr., Joey Keegs, uh, who, who just got done putting, a, uh, putting on a master class in terms of draft coverage and analysis in the PLL. So, uh, Joe, thanks for joining us, and uh, how are you feeling after probably minimal sleep? <laughs> feeling uh, a little tired, highly caffeinated, but ready to go. Uh, this class, I mean, this class is going to live up to the hype this summer. So uh, we're, I have a feeling we're only just getting started talking about them. And, uh, and Jake, you courageously stayed up for the entire draft last night, even though it was well past your bedtime. So how, how are you feeling right now? I, I will be honest. I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible lacrosse fan. I was just kind of checking in on social because, well, you know, to, to the PLL's credit, they do such a fantastic job of all having all the graphics ready and stuff. And if I wanted to see the results, all I have to do is open up the Instagram and I can see who went you know, here and there. I was actually watching The Croods, uh, Disney Channel movie. I've uh, been big into Disney Channel. That's a fantastic movie, by the way. If it's just a little sidebar there. It's got a lot of a lot of star power in the in the voices. But um, I mean, there's a lot to be said about last night's draft. Um, you know, I, I did wake up and fire off the tweet that I was, you know, we can just get right into it. I was fucking un upset seeing Ryan Tierney uh drafted, you know, sixteenth, which was just horrific to me i i mean he, he did go to the, you know a championship team which you know he, he's deserving of but like you know to me he's tierney was a uh still is you know like uh, he's, a, he's a top five guy for me but um other than that i think some people were like half surprised at jeff teat going number one which um i think that's just what's the opposite opposite of recency bias um like non-recency bias, I guess. Uh, people just kind of forgot about uh, the old Teeter doing his thing up in Cornell. So um, I don't know. You know, the, let's let's just kick it off. Is Michael Sowers washed? Joe, to you. Let's kick it over to you. Yeah, Joe. Joe, you're you're the expert here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he didn't go number one, then how could he possibly ever be a good lacrosse player? Right. I'm saying. <laughs> Um, I, write I, I will say I have seen the take it. It's not nearly like, it's one of those, like not silent or uh, like the vocal minority people out there on, on Twitter. But I will say the people who do have, and it's very few of you. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of lax Twitter. You're not all idiots, but the very few of you who do have that Michael Sowers is a bum take for some, they're all, it, like they're not the uh, the father of three in their in their Twitter bio that we always hammer away at, but they are. I've noticed all high school lacrosse coaches at places that I've never heard of before. <laughs> so like that seems to be like a running theme where it's like these these dudes who probably are like the sickest lacrosse brain, like in their weird little town that like no one actually knows about lacrosse. And then they think that they're way smarter than they actually are. And then that's what leads to the galaxy brain take that, Oh, well, Michael Sowers isn't going to be a, a, a good pro. Um, Joe Keegs, you, you know a lot about pro lacrosse. I, I think 
I, I think you could probably say definitively that Michael Sowers is, is probably set up to, to have a pretty decent pro career. Totally. And I think this situation is probably better for him than the Atlas. Like with Atlas, you understand why they went with T and we can get into that in a minute, but uh, Andy Copeland is fired up to have Michael Sowers and he's going to scheme around him. Something that I don't think we're seeing at Duke uh, too much. They're one of those teams. We always joke like Duke, you know, is terrible in February and better in May. They kind of like install different sets based on, their best players skill sets I still think that we haven't seen the best out of Michael Sowers as a blue devil uh we might have seen it on Thursday night when he was playing above GLE a little bit uh with the game on the line and what do you do score score goal tie the game score goal like in crunch time just put the team on his back uh, like that's that's the Michael Sowers that I think we're going to see in the pros uh which is just super dynamic and somebody who can't be contained. I think like, yeah, if you're one of those high school coaches who watched Jack Kilty and Notre Dame contain him in like one out of their two matchups and then went on to write off Michael Sowers as a player altogether, you're going to be proven very, very wrong this summer. I mean, I think, it, you know, the, so I've, you know, people, that was my thing. I, I kind of, I actually entertained I'm, – I'm retired from arguing on Twitter. I just – I won't do it anymore. I, I can't – I don't have the – but the last time I did – You, had a, you was, had a hell of a career. I had a hell of a career. <laughs> I, I, I really did. It's, an, it's a Hall of Fame type career arguing on Twitter. But the, I, I did get into it with, I think, the guy who said that Michael Sowers was washed. And I think the reason that I said that was people kind of set up these expectations for what Sowers was – you know, they, they, they saw what he did at – Princeton and they were like that's what he's going to do at Duke right they, they they expected him to put up 110 points at Duke which is your own fault that's your own fault for not understanding lacrosse and not understanding you know the game itself and what Duke does right there's no no Duke guy is going to come out with 110 points because that's not how their offense works their offense is not wor worked around one guy right Whereas that kind of thing might have worked at Princeton, you know, him and, you know, Connor McCarthy had that kind of connection. It's just not going to happen like that. But, you know, Joe, I am interested. Uh, there are six Tackmen listed at, you know, on the Water Dogs. Um, and all of them are pretty premier Tackmen. Um, I don't believe Michael Krause is going to play, right? Correct? I think it'll be at training camp. Yeah, I think. Training uh, camp. Yeah, he obviously, he, he chose to play MLL last summer okay. um, just because of, uh, because of work commitments. I think he right. finance job. So it was like a lower commitment. I think he should be available, but yeah, like you said, he's one of six on that roster. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's one of six. So you add sours and now you have seven. So it becomes very interesting how you have, you know, and you don't, and it's not like you have, Oh, that guy, you got Westberg, Ryan Brown, Kieran McArdle, Cuccinello and Reeves like that is, and Krauss like that is yeah. seven all-stars right so that's a lot it's a lot of egos how do you think that Sowers fits in there not egos but you know what I mean it's a lot of big names a lot of mouths to feed Ethan Walker yeah. too right Ethan Let's Walker see. too yeah uh, yeah I think I think Sowers like is that guy the go-to guy at X that's kind of what the water dogs lacked they were in the same situation last year without Sowers and Everybody really had like a claim to the throne, but 
nobody more had like a better case than the next guy. So you had Drenner and Cuccinello and Karen McCardle kind of like taking turns with the offense. I think Sowers is going to get the keys to this offense. I think Ryan Brown is very clearly like that Robin to Sowers Batman on the wing. The lefty spot is pretty interesting. It's probably McCardle's to lose. I could see Ethan Walker playing there a little bit or like playing on that wing with McCardle out of the box. Uh, but I think that's really where like that log jam is because out of those guys you named, uh, Reeves, Kraus, McCardle, Walker, all those guys are lefties. With Sowers at X, it really feels like one of those guys fits two max if one of them runs out of the box. So I would bet on McCardle and Ethan Walker out of that bunch. Yeah. Plus you you can always run. Yeah. You can run so many of those guys out of the box, especially the guys like McCardle and uh, Westberg and what, like yeah. Ethan, what, like all those Canadians that are used to running those two man games out, out on the wings over there. So you can run any of those out of the box. Um, now let, let's uh, so obviously, you know, we, we talked a bunch of, about Sowers right there, but we got to go back to the first overall pick Jeff T. Um, I, I will agree with, with uh, Jake's assessment of the non-recency bias, like so, I, I guess that would be like a anti-recency or like a an, yeah anti-recency bias. Yeah. I, I don't our, know. We're making up words. Our vocabulary was strong last episode. I think we might potentially be a little lacking in this one. We're regressing. Um, but so Jeff, yeah, again, it's it's one of those things where like we just haven't, you know, he hasn't been in front of our eyes so far this season. And it's kind of the same way that I look at the NFL draft when we're talking about uh, wide receivers where we've got, you know, uh, Devontae Smith, who put up uh, an insane season with Alabama, won the Heisman, won a national championship. But then you also have Jamar Chase, who sat out the year and, you know, people didn't get a chance to see him at all this year. But, like, don't forget, he won a national championship in 2019, was – clearly the number one receiver in the nation. Um, so, you know, Teet and Sauer, like you couldn't go wrong with either of them. They're both amazing for, you know, for di- different, in different ways, some similar ways, some different ways. Um, but so Jeff Teet, you know, where, where do you think, um, you know, that Atlas offense is now with Teet now being the guy, uh, you know, cause you lose, I, I felt like, when they traded Rob Pinnell in the off season, in my mind, like that was a trade because Ben Rubier was like, we're getting Sowers and Sowers is basically Pinnell, but younger. So now when you don't have that guy, who's, you know, usually going to be running for Mex, Now you've got Jeff T and you kind of have to like shift where that offense is coming from. Um, I feel like Teet's proven that you can run the offense through him wherever. Um, but so how, how do you see that Atlas offense now with the addition of Jeff Teat, um, you know, and then also a couple of the other names that they were able to pick up in this draft? Yeah, I think it's, it's exactly what you said, right? They're not, they're not just a younger version of what they were last year. Like they're going to be different. They're not, the ball's not going to be in someone's stick for as long as it was in Rob Pinnell's stick for a lot of last summer. And that's not to say that, the ball didn't belong in Rob Pinnell's stick. Like that's, that's where the offense was at its best last summer. But I think in order to change what they're doing, Rubio kind of wants six guys who are going to share it. Um, he doesn't want the ball to have to go through somebody. He doesn't want to have that predictable offense. So uh, 
I think for that reason, for Teach's like ability to play off the ball, and let's face it, nobody's going to shut off Jeff Teat in the pros. So, like, the biggest struggle that he saw at Cornell is just gone. Like, you're not going to – if you play a five-on-five defense in the pros, you're going to get torched by the rest of this team. Like, good luck sliding to docks and Costa Bill with five guys. Sounds like Pete Milliman's dream scenario. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – if only they had a shot clock for D- – or I don't know. If only they had Docs Aiken and uh, Romar and John Crawley and the rest of that team. <laughs> um, there's just – there's no reason to shut off when the rest of the offense is that loaded. Um, Jeff Teat also, he, he made a bit of history last night. So he becomes not only the first player to ever get drafted first overall in the NLL and PLL draft. I know Kevin Crowley, who's probably listening right now somewhere in British Columbia, Kevin, I'm, I know that you got drafted first overall in the NLL and the MLL, same with Lyle, but first ever to do it in the NLL and PLL. And there are now three PLL college drafts in the history of the league. Jeff Teat been drafted twice. First and only guy to ever do that. So, um, like, when, when, when do you think that we get the statue of Jeff Teat hung up at uh, PLL headquarters? <laughs> uh, <laughs> as soon as Chaos has a home base, I think they raise a banner for uh, drafting Jeff Teat in 2020 in the second round. Steal of the draft. Never played for them, but <laughs> absolute you, steal. Spe- speaking of that pick, um, do you think that uh, Andy Towers, We do you think that he is addicted to drafting guys who he knows are going back? Uh, he, technically, he didn't know that Jeff Teat was going to be going back to school for certain, last, although I think everyone kind of had an idea. Um, so he picks Jeff Teat last year, 12th overall. Teat goes back to Cornell. And then this year, another steal of the draft, potentially, with Jared Bernhardt. Um, but, you know, we all know that he's going to play some college football uh, next year and then looking, looking to make a little run for himself in the NFL, which seems to be a perfect pipeline to the Patriots for him. Um, so Andy Towers addicted to drafting guys that are going back to school next year. Yes or no? <laughs> uh, it seems yes. Yeah. It's a pattern developing. Um, and, and I was talking to the whip snakes, uh, coaching staff and, um, and just people around the league. I think the other thing is that he, he was afraid that, the whips were going to take a chance on Bernhardt and then uh, football wouldn't pan out. Um, that was every coach around the league's nightmare scenario that uh, as good as the whip snakes got last night, that they could have potentially gotten a future MVP. But yeah. Um, I mean, you said it like this is, this is another guy in the T scenario. I don't think Jared Bernhardt ever puts on the chaos uniform in the next two years. The rumors that he's going to be able to petition for two years of college football uh, and then an NFL training camp. And I know people are throwing the numbers at us, like of how many pro football players have come out of Ferris state on Twitter. Like I'm a big numbers guy, but I don't care about the numbers right now. Cause none of those guys have been Jared Bernhardt. None of those guys fathered worked in an NFL front office. None of those guys high or college lacrosse coach, Chris Mattis are on the new England Patriots staff. Now like Bernhardt, has the athletic ability and he has the connections. People know his name. He'll get an invite to an NFL training camp someday. Like that's, you can bookmark that. Like I promise he will. Yeah. He doesn't have the same uphill battle that some, you know, other guys do, you know, uh, 
Like he's not going to be one of the guys who gets an NFL invite because he did, uh, what's his name? Um, he played, there was a guy who played at Presbyterian and he was the gunner for, uh, the Cardinals, uh, Justin going to drive me nuts. Uh, anyway, he, he had a viral video of him doing a, uh, 60 inch standing box jump. And that's what got him the invite to the Cardinals, right? And it turned out he was a brilliant special teams player, right? But Jared Bernhardt doesn't have to do that, right? I, I think that people are like, oh, yeah, this, that, yeah. Nice super coffee, by the way. I'm always, I'm crushing. I, I just had a triple espresso myself. Those who can't see it, this Key to Super Coffee, it's a $400 million company now. Uh, loaded with caffeine. Yeah, free free ad, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's Rob Pinnell's buddies, so like they should just, you know, hey Rob, we've had you on the pod. You know, you need to send us some super coffee, so I don't keep spending three hundred dollars a month on it. Um, I mean, I don't. To be fair, Jared Bernhardt does have viral videos of sixty-inch jumps. It's just when he is scoring those those, those fadeaway jumping question marks. (laughs) I'm I'm still angry. Um, I've been I've been angry about Maryland all year because I think I think they should be on fraud. I think they're frauds. I think they've been playing in the Big Ten, and I think that they can't can't compete with these ACC teams who have actual guys who can face off at the X. That's a conversation for another time. So I'm not. I don't. I didn't. Re- I respect taking numbers you know taking him at 19 and i understand why you wouldn't take him earlier i understand why you take the all-time leading goal scorer in ncaa history in mac o'keefe how many goals do we think mac is going to get off just the uh, slipping a pick and and hitting the hitting the far pipe underhand a million two million at least the record <laughs> what's the single season goal record <laughs> mac's gonna shatter it uh, that's yeah, that's uh, that's that's the perfect fit in that offense. How do so if you're an, if you're one of these you know if if you're uh, one of these coaches if you're if you're um, if you're one of these coaches how do you let Mac slip all the way down to six and not pick up uh, you know not pick up Mac just so the chaos can't have him right like what what's the strategy there picking up Jared Connors when you already have. Scott Ratliff, you know, and, and not, and not, you know, maybe slipping in Mac O'Keefe to play with uh, Grant Amet. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think it all started with pseudo and the Chrome kind of throwing everybody off at number three. Uh, I know Kark had it in his mock that pseudo was going to take TD. Um, mm. That was, uh, that was what every coach was really expecting. Like that wasn't just Kark taking a blind guess. Pseudo's a pretty straight shooter. Uh, he kind of tells it like it is. Uh, he was, you know, he, he's pretty close with TD's father. He was like playing pond hockey with him a couple months ago. And um, just that that's the type of stuff that pseudo values bringing into that culture and that locker room is guys who are going to fit in. He was confident that TD would fit in. And then when they learned that Rigney uh, has military commitments this summer, they pivoted and addressed the defense. And then all of a sudden, Nat is surprised that TD's there at four for the Redwoods. And the Archers are surprised that Connors is there. And then that leads to the Gobrecht trade. And and then, like you said, Mac is there at six for the chaos. So it was kind of like everybody falling a spot. Uh, not that JT Giles Harris went much higher than anticipated, but uh, 
everybody was really banking on TD Ireland to the Chrome. Mm. And so what do you think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, who do you think, was there anybody who was snubbed? You think uh, like not even in, not even included or way too low. We touched on tyranny. I think Charlie Bertrand was too low. Yeah, I would have taken. I would have taken both those guys, and they're they're both lefties. I would have taken both those guys if I was uh, like chaos. I would have taken them, um, taking a we, shot on. We didn't see any goalies, right? So just trash no, goalie no. class. Is that what we're saying? Just everyone's just sucks. Is that is that <laughs> what we're looking at here? <laughs> uh, I think Mac, Mike Adler has another year. He's been playing yeah. great. There are a bunch of young goalies in the ACC, and Drake Porter's teammates in front of him probably haven't been helping him out too much up in the dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Q's defense has been not great, we'll say. <laughs> very, very diplomatic of you, Joe. Very diplomatic of you. Not trying to, you're not trying to push too many buttons here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not great. We'll leave it at that. But yeah, no goalies taken. I think there are a bunch of goalies like floating around. Like, uh, obviously Dylan Ward is a backup goalie in this league and is like, should be a starter. I think if you have mm. a goalie need, you're looking to trade for him. I think Jack Kelly could be a starter in this league. Like there are, there are goalies to be had who are already on rosters. So maybe we we'll see something before Friday's trade deadline. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine that we see Drake and a couple other of these guys make their way into training camp. I, I would be shocked if they didn't. Um, but Evan yeah, Malloy, or is, is Malloy getting? <laughs> is, are we getting Malloy to the draft? Is he going to get an invite? He's got to. He's uh, he, he he seems to be uh, seems to be too addicted to the breaking news game right now. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I guess I understand though. Like, no one wants to be the coach who makes the the first pick on a goalie in the draft, and then turns out True. that 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 goalie ends up being a little shakier than he would have wanted him to be in the summer. And then you know, some other team's able to kind of pick someone up that they didn't have to. Like, same thing. Like the, these guys are just basically playing fantasy football. Like you don't want to draft a kicker in your fantasy football draft when you can just get like whoever you want off the waiver wires, like before week one. And then you just wasted a draft. Like, I don't want to say wasted a draft pick on a goalie, but are goalies the kickers of lacrosse? Is that what, that's what I'm hearing, Jordy. Well, here's the thing. I, I feel like the, all, all the leading scorers in NFL history are kickers so if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it like kickers are the most important position in football so yes in that sense goalies are the kickers um i just had to say that just in case drake is listening we still want him to come back on the pod um jake drake you'll 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 get you'll get picked up by a team and uh honestly i I think trying to think about what he would look best in i i feel like water dogs are Archers would make a lot of sense just because he's used to that colorway. Get him getting getting a little up there in age. Not we don't age shame around here, but he's he's, he's getting. A sounds little like you're age shaming. Well, sounds yeah, like it. I every mean, once, his, every once in a while, you got to do a little age shaming. A little bit. Adam Gentleman, you're getting old. I think he also had a birthday recently. I saw a bunch of people wishing him happy birthday. Um, yeah. I think he's also the same exact age as everybody on the Archers. I think like the Archers are just the 2013 draft class. 
So sounds about right. This sounds is yeah, mass stage shaming. Yep. Uh, looking around at some of the other picks from last night. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we already touched on it. I, I liked, you know, I, I think outside of the first round where, you know, not a ton of, um, you know, no, no real like surprises. Like I, I think all the, like in this entire draft, nothing's really too surprising. Like it was a loaded draft class, but I think outside of the first round, my favorite pick would have been that Ethan Walker pick. Like I, I think, I don't know. I'm just addicted to the way that that kid shoots the ball. Just a sweet, sweet lefty stroke. I um, think uh, getting Jamie Tromboli and, uh, and, and TD back together kind of reworked those, uh, those Victor days where they were all over the place on the inside lacrosse top 25 high school rankings. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what would be your, your favorite pick? At, like, what, what do you think was the – the most bang for your buck pick outside of that first round. Outside of the first round, I got a, uh, yeah, I got an interesting one. So uh, Ryan Tarafenko, I know uh, we love his play. We have questions about his swag. On, we, uh, do. On the uh, we do. Second shorty taken, taken after Danny Logan. I get two questions for you, Jake. One, first, how do we feel about that? And two, um, uh, <laughs> How is Tarafago going to transition from black socks to pink socks? I, I think that I think that his swaglessness is going to be just absolutely perfect. Like, you know, he he's already prepared to just look like a complete idiot running up and down the field. You know, he's such a beast, though. Like, he, he that's that's the thing is like Tarafago is like he just he's got that motor that you know, you rarely ever see, and he's, he's a real difference maker. Danny Logan's the same way. I think that those two, Tarafenko is more, is kind of like a, more of a two-way um, yeah. in my mind. So Tarafenko, I, I would have probably chosen Tarafenko uh, over Danny Logan simply because of the, uh, how well, you know, how important transition offense and transition defense are in the PLL. Uh, but I mean, I, <sighs> The sneaky pick for me uh, in, in my choice was Trey LeClaire because Trey LeFlair, as he's commonly known, is an absolute maniac. Um, you know, he, he's in there with – but, you know, on the other hand, it's like, you know, the archers have so many shooters already. It's like, you know, you got a water dog situation where you're going to have to run some guys out of the box, right? You know got Fields, Ament, Holman, Nikki Sol- or Nate Solomon, excuse me, Ambler and Manny. And then you add, you know, Trey LeClaire and I guess he'll be playing midfield. So, I mean, that was, that was my sneaky pick. Um, but I mean, I, it, I think it's funny how the game, I think it, I, I think it's funny how the game has evolved so much where you've got, you know, a guy whose job is short stick defensive midfielder and he gets drafted in a professional league to just not get dusted. Like that is your job do not get dusted in the open field. And like, he's like, yeah, it's my craft. I've I'm perfecting it every day. Just not getting smoked. So I, that's always funny to me, you know, 50,000 foot view, but Jordy, who's your, who's your pick? I bet it's something stupid. I, well, if you were listening to what I say, which you clearly don't, I, I had already mentioned that it was, that it was Ethan Walker. Um, Other than I, Ethan Walker. That's an obvious one. You, you want me to pick two? Like two, did you pick another? Picking the two, two, I don't most, accept the first two one. most bangs for my bucks. Um, and I also said Jamie Tremboli. You weren't listening uh, at all. I, Jamie Tremboli, I, I can see he's got nice uh, hair. 
but no, I, I mean, it is fun. like the, the back to back. I, I did laugh at the back to back SSDM pickups last night. I, I think that that's just, it just shows the ultimate grit in the PLL that, that we're so getting much back to back short stick team. But then like the whole time that we're talking about having like all these teams having so many offensive weapons and yeah. having to run some of these like insane players out of the box, like that just kind of goes to show how important picking up incredible SSDMs are in this league. Cause if you're going to be running a Westberg out of the box, if you're going to be running someone like, you know, whether it's Kieran McArdle or Ethan Walker or Trey LeClaire, like you're going to need guys who can get out there and play them that aren't poles that are going to be too busy trying to figure out like, Holy shit. Like we're the best players in the world and we still are having issues sliding to sours. So you need those guys. So it's, it's, uh, it's it's good for them to get their shine because once they're playing, I I never give them any shine. Like I don't I don't highlight SSDMs at all. So I'm I'm glad that they got on the board here with back to back draft picks. All right, Joe. I, I I gotta I guess you know we'll 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 get towards the end of this, but I I have a pretty good question. I think, um, you know, you saw how low we all saw how loaded this draft was. You know, we see how big these rosters are um in in the pll and and i expansion is the ultimate goal I, I totally understand that but at what point do we take this from like a a one team a year or one team a season addition um and like what what is the threshold right do i keep 26 got 26 all-stars on the roster and like you know a good 25 percent of them probably should be on the field and they're not or, you know, like how long can we sustain that before like we need to, a rapid expansion, like, you know, two more teams next year and then three because, you know, the, the you know, it's like the balance of keeping parity while encouraging composition or uh, competition. You know, like at what point do these teams get too loaded is like my question, right? That's a tough one. It is a good question. Yeah, you, I wasn't sure if it was going to be when you complimented yourself and said it was, but uh, yes. you came through. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know that they can be too loaded. Like, I wouldn't mind if the NBA, if every team was, like, superstar at every position. Um, and I'm a huge role player guy. I, I'm a big fan of guys who just do their job. But – I think that obviously that's the ultimate goal and like we'll get there as uh, as sports fans who aren't lacrosse fans start watching the PLL and uh, the sport just grows both like geographically and like with different demos, we'll get there. Um, but I'm in no rush for that. I, I want to see as many players on the field as possible, but I, I mean, this summer is going to be absolutely incredible with these eight rosters. So we just got to enjoy these eight teams while we have them. And, uh, you know, we'll see what the future summers hold. That's a very diplomatic answer, Joe. I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the, the constant diplomacy. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's important, right? There's, there's few people who can do that. You know, Jordy and I have our opinions and we just kind of vomit them all over people, which is fine. You know, Jordy, Jordy has a lot of angst from, you know, Philadelphia sports and that's okay. <laughs> there, there, there are no lies in that statement. Um, Joe, speaking of, of future summers, uh, so we know everybody's favorite pastime 
is as soon as a draft, like as soon as we see those, uh, those end credits roll for the draft broadcast, everyone's eyes and their minds immediately turn to next year's draft. So 364 days away, the 2022 PLL college draft. I need to know right now who is going first overall in 2022. And I swear to God, if you are wrong, you were never coming back on this podcast ever again. Um, but I mean, again, like another loaded class that we'll be blessed with guys like Chris Gray, Matt Moore, Nakai Montgomery, just to name a few. So who do you got going one, one in 2022? Uh, I mean, I think you just nailed it. I think it's gotta be Chris Gray. Uh, but that class is going to be really interesting. And I think a lot of it depends on who has the pick, right? Like we just spent all this time talking about all these teams that have six, seven attackmen. So who's to say that depending on who gets that top pick, somebody doesn't go with Nakai. Uh, he's been one of the best passers in the country. Uh, he's awesome. Like winning his one-on-one matchup and moving the ball. I would like, if I was starting a team from scratch, I would take Chris Gray, of course. But Nakai Montgomery, Kobe Smith, Matt Moore, even Arden Cohen, who like asking around with Kyle Thornton and Jack Kilty in this class, a lot of coaches were like thinking that Arden Cohen might be the best defender on Notre Dame, like the best, the most pro ready guy. And he has another year in South Bend. So that's my top five, I would say. Uh, but Sean Goldsmith from Mercer. Just Sean Goldsmith. Was that Mercer High, baby? Yes. <laughs> it's it's Mercer Hive, baby. Let's go. <laughs> but only if he promises not to wear contacts in the summer. No, absolutely not. Need the goggles. Jake, do you have any more of your um, patented uh, good questions to ask Joe before we wrap things up? No, here? no. I, I I thought I I thought I was going to throw him for a loop with that one, but he just he came out on top. Um, he's you know it's when one that, numbers go. That super coffee. Super coffee. His brain it's is super coffee. Right no, no, no free <laughs> ads, but it's got the L-theanine in it. It's it's crazy. It does. I got a question for you guys. Which, uh, well, maybe a question for Jordy because Jake was watching a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah. Uh, Jordy, who, which coach had the best setup or best like best best Zoom experience on last night's draft? Uh, I'll, I'll give my best and my worst. So, uh, best, it, it, it looked like Andy towers was having himself a good old time there. He had like a lot of those, like, like Joker snickers and, and you know, the, yes, writing down with the pen, um, good friend of the program, uh, Pat Gregoire. Some of you guys may know a good old Canadian boy with a lacrosse flash. Uh, great, great meme of, of AT, writing down just like coloring in all the provinces in Canada and just being super proud of himself. So go check out uh, Pat Gregoire on Twitter. Um, the worst was, I, I believe it was Andy Copeland's where he looked like he was just in like a, um, just like a blank classroom. It, it was like the, the white um, like cement walls. And then I, I don't like, it looked like he was like in like a prison room. So um, I'm not quite sure where he was at, but that was terrible. But yeah, uh, AT for sure looked like he was having a good time. That's did, yeah, I, 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 I'm looking at the meme right now. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so and, just imagine him the, so the, proud the of him. At the end, yeah, the just so proud. Yeah. Just so happy. So proud of him coloring in the, coloring in the provinces. <laughs> 
Fantastic. He's learn, learning all of his Canadian stuff for all of his Canadian boys. I, 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 I totally get it. Nova Scotia's pink. It should be, I don't know. They, it's all trailer parks there, I've heard. And then I, I, I forget who it was, but who um, was, was it? Did Sudo, was, did he have, someone had like a, um, a stuffed fox behind them. Oh, that's Sudo. Yeah. So that's sneaky. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if I, if I like that, if I was thrown off by, I, it definitely made me feel something. I just couldn't quite pin down what emotion it was. Concern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Concerned, slightly concerned. Um, you know, I actually, I have one more question for you. Um, and, and this one, you know, it might take a little bit of a uh, little bit of thinking. And, you know, a lot of these kids, like we haven't gotten a ton of chances to kind of see uh, and, and hear what their personality is like, just because, you know, that's just the nature of college across where we don't get too um, inside of these teams to kind of see what these players are all about. But out of this draft class, who are you most excited to hear mic'd up on a broadcast this summer? Um, so obviously last year we, we had the, uh, the, the Matt Gaudette show coming in right away and just making quite the name for himself mic'd up on the broadcast. Um, so this team or this draft class, a lot of guys involved here. Um, some who we've never really heard of before, but you know, those could always be some of the, the best personalities that have just been kept under the radar. So do you have one guy who you think will really be able to shine when he's mic'd up this summer? Yeah. If I had to pick, um, I mean, I'm such a lacrosse nerd. Like I think it's funny. Trash talk is funny. I'll buy in. I'll enjoy it when the internet's going wild. But personally, uh, like give me Eddie Glazner mic'd up. Uh, like talking through slides, recoveries, X's and O's. So uh, the, the closest comp in this draft class would be Kyle Thornton. Like I'm, I'm excited to see him in that chaos defense and uh, maybe organize them to the point where Blaze doesn't see 85 shots a game. I, I think that would be nice for Blaze. Blaze uh, wants to see those though, because then he can just keep his saves up and keep winning goalie of the year. Uh, yeah, if he uh, if he keeps making twenty five saves a game, he's going to win goalie of the year until he retires. Uh, but I don't think they're going to win any other trophies. Uh, that's just like that's that's another thing too. Like not to be a numbers nerd, but uh, when when Quint or somebody says on the broadcast like this team needs to get to fifteen saves to win, that's just so wrong. Like it, it's just wrong. You shouldn't be trying to make saves. Saves are negatively correlated with wins. The more saves you make, the more likely you are to lose. You should be trying to prevent shots. And anyways, it's a long way of saying that. I think Kyle Thornton and a Notre Dame defender in general on your defense helps you prevent shots. Um, definitely helps prevent good shots. So curious to hear him mic'd up. I don't know who the best trash talker will be. Who's your guys' pick? Well, real well, quick, Joe, I, I just want to say, I want you to be a numbers nerd because that's who you are and that's, that's why we love you. Yes. That's right. I want that dick. Yeah. I, <laughs> listen, there, yeah, what's, there, the, what's the correlation coefficient for the goals to, <laughs> goals to the, the saves to, to wins? I know you know it. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's definitely there. I can do some digging. That was, uh, that was the late, great Coach Huntley's last con presentation and, um, maybe like 2014 was, uh, yeah. Um, 
saves and wins are negatively correlated. So I'll, I'll, I'll do some digging and find it for you. And I, I just want to clarify you, Quint Kessnick said something wrong on a broadcast because I've never, I don't think anybody's ever had beef with anything that's Quint said. So I just, let's, you know, let's not go crazy here, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> sorry to say something so controversial. That might be, I think the two things that we can agree on in Lax Twitter, and uh, mm-hmm. I think he tweeted it the other day, was Anish never should get a haircut again. Agreed. And he's phenomenal on the broadcasts. And uh, Quint, yeah, so, sometimes says stuff that, <laughs> uh, like the Syracuse defense, is not great. No. That's, that's fairly easy to surmise from that. Yeah. Um... By the way, go, going back, I think my pick for the mic'd up would probably be Jackson Morrill, I would think, but I, I don't know. Because like I, I know that the Yale guys get after it, and but I, I just don't know if if they mic up Jackson Morrill, if the Chrome would allow another attackman who played the majority of his career at Yale to get mic'd up and, and really lay into some guy. Like they might, they might be like, hey, you know, let's – Let's let's maybe pump the brakes on that one. So maybe Mac Audette would have ruined that one for Jackson Morrill, but um, if not, I, I think that he'd be great. Um, I also have a feeling that that Teet would be any any guy who I was about to say Teeter yeah, has got to be one, right? He, he, yeah. And any any Canadian or guy that went to Yale, that's basically would be my answer. The next one is you know next year we'll get to hear Chris Gray. I know Chris Gray is a shit talker, and he he admitted that he he does often talk shit on the field but i mean if you turn him, he'll whip his head around and you can see him just talking shit on the on the field so chris gray's mine but i'd love to hear i'd love to hear jeff t and you know what? i just, feel like matt, matt o'keefe will probably have a lot to say this summer if he's matt just because he probably has so much pent-up frustration from the way that this penn state season went <laughs> to where if he gets out there this yes. summer and he's just like lighting guys up then like all that frustration plus just being sick of shit at shooting the ball he, he might he might have a little something as well so and plus he, he played yeah. a couple summers uh playing some junior box so he's got that going for him as well um well joe thank you for jumping on with us uh such a, a quick turnaround you, you probably earned yourself a nap although you're probably still wired from that super coffee again no free ads uh but Everyone, make sure to follow Joe on Twitter. He is at Joe Keegs. Uh, you can find his 10-man ride uh, articles on the PLL website. So, Joe, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, yeah, if, if Chris Gray doesn't get picked first overall in next year's draft, you can all blame Joe Keegan. So, thanks for jumping on. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, most likely, for for a, a, our typical college across weekend preview episode so we'll see you guys then but until then we'll be keeping it low to high to the day we die we out yeah yeah draft day johnny manziel five years later how am i the man still draft day a wiggins Fuck that other side, bitch, we stay winning Oh man, you know I had to do it for you You know I had to do it for you Yeah Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you 
know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Oh man, oh man, oh man, man, you know I had to. Sometimes I laugh with God about how you can't stop me. I'm his darkest angel, probably, but he still got me. Yeah. I'm getting mine, but still I better live. Cause shit I set aside to make sure that my people getting by. Brunch with some guitar royals, and my cup is all oil. You know it's rare when your niggas will take the fall for you. All loyal, so you keep egging me on, and we gon' have to crack your shell just to prove to you you ain't hard boiled. Mm. Last night I tried some raw oysters. Man, that boy growing up quick. That boy noy this shit. That boy singing on every song when he know he could spit. That boy manifested it. That boy knew it was written. That boy did it on purpose. That boy know that they shitting on you when they can't get past you. You should have followed all my moves. You won't realize the after. And if I left this shit to chance, I would have picked a name like Chance the Rapper. Yeah, no offense, cause I don't know that nigga. I focus on making records and getting bigger. Just hits, no misses, that's for the married folks Tell them fix my sweet up cause I'm coming home I already talking crazy, I was out of town You know they love to pop all that shit when I'm not around But when I'm here, not a sound That'll make me snap, jot it down Go in the booth and lay a body down Know some Somalis that say we got it, wallahi Get us donuts and coffee, we'll wait for him in the lobby And I gotta tell him chill Sprite got me on payroll, let that man live They say okay if you say so, see whatever I say go I play like I'm on Roy's, no Conseco, no Oakland A's though Shout out to Beto, I think I'm on my eighth flow Just watch me paint flows, we all do it for the art So I can never hate though Signing off on more deals than a lawyer with a heavy caseload How the game turn into the Drake show Dog, what the fuck happened to so-and-so, where did they go? Too worried about bitches in fashion, they go missing in action and then you never notice they missing On some Hunger Games shit, I would die for my district Jennifer Lawrence, you can really get it, yeah I mean for real, girl, you know I had to do it for you You know I had to do it for you You know I had to, oh wait, sidebar Left some beat at the end so that all of you fuck niggas Could loop it and get your lies off, season